It is truly a privilege to be with you once again as we initiate our fifth session in the context of the amazing love of God. I'll tell you what, if you don't have your seatbelt on, put it on because we're going to maybe go over the speed limit a little bit. Glory to God. We're going to enter into some things in this session. I believe that are going to change your life. I believe they're going to stretch your faith. I believe they're, they're going to cause you to enter into a intimacy with Jesus that you possibly never even thought of the possibility of entering into. So let's get right to it. Bless God. Amen. Uh, let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, you know, we shared in, in our, our last session, you know, of the uh, redemptive work of Jesus. And, you know, it's possible to say, you know, wow, that, that touched my life. And, you know, I'm learning things about Jesus through this series. But here's what it comes down to. I mean, let's just get real. When you need Jesus, when you want Jesus, uh, you want to enter into great intimacy with God. I, I mean, will he come? I, I mean, I deal with people on stage four cancer all the time. The issue is not that, you know, you, you love the word or you even believe the word, but is he going to come? Is he going to come for me? Is he going to come now? When you say, I want to be used by God in a mighty way, is he going to open up the door? Is he going to anoint you? Is he going to cause you to enter into that which you're believing for? I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? For real. I mean, let's just stop playing church and being religious. Will he come in regards to what you're believing for? If you're going on that mission trip, will he provide the money? Will he protect you? Will he use you greatly? Will he cause that familiar sin to be broken? Will he come when you seek him? Will he cause you to enter into being the man that you know you need to be, the woman that you need to be? Will you stop going around in circles and have it be broken? Or are you going to just, you know, say, you know, I believe God, but I'm not sure when. Will he come? I mean, that's a question you need to ask yourself to judge yourself in the context of faith. Paul said judge yourself to see if you're in faith, to see if you're in the faith. Will he come? What is your expectancy level? You see, God wants us to come to a place, glory to God, that we are excited about the word of God. Hallelujah. And we enter into a place, <clears throat> Jesus, where we are so expectant that the anointing is going to come. Let, let me just give you a simple example. Well, let me give you a harder example. Let me stretch your faith right from the start. Go with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Mark 9, verse 1. And he said unto them, Jesus is saying unto the apostles, Verily I say unto you that there be some that stand here that shall not taste the death until they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, led him up to a high mountain and apart by himself and was transfigured before them. His raiment became shining like the sun. And it goes on to say Elijah and Moses appeared to them. And then they, they went into a cloud and God Almighty spoke in an audible voice to them. Wow. And Jesus is telling these men, I'm going to give you a snapshot. I'm going to give you a preview of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like in the context of your relationship with God. You tell me, you say, you say, are you trying to tell me that I'm supposed to enter in to an intimacy with God whereby, I mean, I can experience God in this way? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Jesus said this is the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus did what he did so you could enter into having hope 
for it happening in your life. We went over John 6, 21 numerous times where Jesus walked on the water. Why did Jesus walk on the water? Because he wanted an open relationship with these men. Why did he grant the request of Peter to walk on the water with them? Because he wanted him to enter into that open relationship. Why after Peter walked on the water and they got back in the boat, did the boat take off like, glory to God, a missile, a rocket, and be in a moment's time at the destination that they were going to go into? Glory to God. It's because he wanted these men to enter into open relationship. This is either for real or it's not, friend. I mean, come on. If Jesus Christ is God, then, then, men, then he, we need to act like he is. If he is God and you're his child, then we need to act like his child. You say, you're starting out strong. I'm starting out strong because we've laid the foundation and now's the time to enter in. Will we believe that he will come? Uh, you know, when you say, God, I'm, go I'm entering into the quiet place and I'm believing that the Shekinah glory of God is going to come. I believe that the weighty presence of the Most High is going to come to me. I believe I'm going to hear your voice. I, I believe I'm going to enter into your presence in a phenomenal fashion correlative to these scriptures you've given in Mark chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and Matthew 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18, and 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6. I believe I'm going to enter in this way. Glory to God. You see, if God is as amazing as his word says, if God loves you, whoo, like he says he does, and he says in John 7, 20, 26, glory to God, he says, I've declared thy name unto the men you've given to me, and I will continue to declare it, that the love that I was loved with, may, they might be loved with the same love in the same way that my love might be in them. And then I might be in them. What's Jesus saying? It's correlated to John 17, 22, where Jesus says the very glory I entered into, I'm giving as a gift to these men by grace that they might experience the glory of God, Father, just like I experienced it. Wow. You see, it's time, praise God, either to, to get immersed in this. Glory to Jesus. And, and I know this is, man, I, this is strong stuff. But it's either real or it's not. Jesus did what he did so you can, I can enter into open relationship with him. You see, where there's truly an amazing love of God, there has to be open relationship. God is not shrouded in anything, in some cloud or by religiosity or some theology. I mean, the glory to God. I mean, the veil's been rent. Jesus talked to Moses face to face. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 that that's nothing compared to where to enter into. So we talk about a transformative glory. Uh, we talk about a transfigurative glory, a, a translative glory. We're talking about open relationship with God, not, not in the context of some people saying that they fly to the throne room of God and they talk to different, I mean, come on. That, that's not more, any more biblical than the devil himself being God. No, that's not, no, Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul was talking about walking by faith. He said, yeah, he went up into the heavenlies, but he shared emphatically that that was something that doesn't happen all the time. He's sharing that there are certain things, bless God, that you can enter into in an amazing way, but there are certain things you're not going to get translated every day. I had someone say, I'll get translated whenever I want. Come on, man, that is as old as demonic as soul travel has been for thousands of years. No, you don't get translated whenever you want. If it, 
if you could believe that, man, you'd be, oh, we'd have to scrap every mission program we have and just get translated and come back. Share the gospel and don't come back. That, that's not, it's not commonsensical. It's not biblically logical. It's like someone says the kingdom of God has come. So that means every person is going to get saved. Every nation is going to get saved. You have to divinely divide the word of truth. It doesn't mean that at all. No, read the word of God. At the judgment day, he's going to divide the sheep and the goats. There's going to be judgment on nations, a judgment on people. No, everybody's not going to get saved. No, every nation's not going to get saved. But I can tell you this. You can enter in to a glory with God that far exceeds what your mind can even consider. That's so awesome that it's beyond what you can even ask or think according to the power that works in you, even correlative to the word of the living God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. See, faith is the substance hoped for. Glory to God. I, I'm, I'm going to look at this again with you. You need to be excited. Woo! Glory to God. I, I mean, when I get into the Word of God, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but I tell the Father, I expect the Holy Ghost to reveal to me the Word of God just like He did to Jesus. And even as Jesus entered in, glory to God, by revelation, Hallelujah. And oh, glory to God of him being who he was. I expect you to tell me who I am in Christ. I expect you to open this word to me like you did to him. You say the very idea. Well, I tell you, yeah, the very idea because, see, that's my hope. Glory to God. And I'll tell you why. And this is why we're doing this uh, session right now. All right. I know that's quite an opening. You can imagine what the meat of this is going to be. Amen. All right. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is hot off the press. Recently, I've shared with three men in a counseling situation. I shared with one man that, uh, I tell you, he's about ready to just, they had a church that was about ready to explode, and the enemy came. He committed adultery, I think, with a 19-year-old girl. He was in his 50s. And, and I'm talking to him about five years later. He had repented. He was restored. But he was just punishing himself. In fact, he got bit by an animal while he was hunting some raccoon or something. And I mean, just horrible sores. And he, he was just, he came to me and said, I, be, I believe I'm being punished, you know, for what I did. I said, it's, for, it's five years removed. You repented. Your family received you back. Your, your church received you back, but he wouldn't go back in the pulpit. I, I said, come on, man. I, I said, Jesus was punished for you. Are you trying to take the place of Jesus? He said, no, but... I said, forget the buts. Let's enter into things from God's perspective. Let's enter in. And I said, God considers you right now at this second because of your repentance, because you've entered into the blood. Hallelujah. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins and, uh, you know, he will, is faithful and just. Glory to God to uh, forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Notice he's faithful and just. He's just to do it because, hallelujah, he has a right to do it because of the blood of Jesus. That was our last session. I said, you're as righteous right now as Jesus Christ. He said, don't say that. He, I said, why not? The Bible says it. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You're as righteousness as Jesus Christ because God has given you his righteousness. He has not given you the righteousness of an angel. He's not given you the righteousness of somebody else. He's given you his righteousness. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Whoo. And I had two other people come in, and they were struggling. And, and, you know, one guy had 15 years ago, I, I mean, he punched his wife. 
and uh, he he heard her and she forgave him. And he, the guy's a brand new person. I mean, I, I would, he's just walking with Jesus in an amazing way, but still fighting condemnation. And I said the same thing to him. I said to the other guy, I said, you know what? Are you trying to pay for your salvation or what? He said, I'm not trying to pay for it. I said, well, when are you going to consider yourself righteous? When do you consider yourself going to be blessed? He said, well, I can't be blessed. I said, why not? He said, because what I did 15 years ago. I said, you know what? You are cursing the gospel. He said, I wouldn't curse the gospel. I said, you're cursing the gospel. I said, because you're telling me that what Jesus said is the gospel is not the gospel. You might sound humble, you might sound religious, but Jesus said he cleansed you from all unrighteousness. He was just to do so, and you're as righteous as Jesus Christ. Well, God set him free, hallelujah. And the man is just on fire, glory to God. He's done more in the last three weeks than he's did in the last 15 years. And I tell you what, you enter into what I'm sharing with you, what the Holy Ghost is sharing with you, you're going to do more than you ever dreamed. As somebody else. I mean, when they were uh, 19 years old, they, uh, I mean, it's hard to speak about, but the, he, he abused sexually his cousin. And now this man is 41, 22 years removed. And uh, I mean, this man has an anointing. And he repented right after that. They went through counseling. I mean, he himself had been abused. Why would he do that? And someone says, well, you know what? I had someone say, well, he should never be in ministry again. Well, he should never go into ministry, and he hasn't. But I told him he should. Because Jesus has cleansed him. He's, he's, he's profoundly repentant. And if, if God took away this sin, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ bore that filthy, disgusting sin. Man, if he shouldn't have ever preached the gospel, then certainly Paul shouldn't have preached the gospel. Because, man, he murdered Saul. Man, he, he, he listened to me. He put women into prison knowing they were going to be raped. He put children into prison knowing they were going to die. You talk about somebody that abused others. Man, Saul, before he became Paul, was an abuser of a magnitude that you can't even comprehend. This is the man that said there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you this, that you might enter into the reality of what the gospel really is. Now, I'm glad if you're sitting there saying, I never did this and didn't do this. The best testimony if you didn't do anything like that. But I'm here to tell you this. God has called us by his blood into a place where set, those he set free are free indeed. God is not, he's not looking at you according to your past. He's looking at you according to the blood of Jesus, according to what God has done for you, that you might enter in to experience intimacy, God, with an amazing way. All right. Now, I said all that to say this. Woo! We're going to enter into something today that's going to set you free in a way that you've never been set free. And for those of you saying, you know what? I'm glad I wasn't like that person. Well, I'm glad I wasn't like that person. I'm worthy to receive the blessing. I'm here to tell you something. You're self-deceived. There's no one that's worthy. We've said this many times before. Sin is not what you, just what you've done. It's what we would do if you had the chance. And the scripture teaches us that any one of us 
would have done what Adam and Eve did in the context of literally trying to usurp the deity of God himself and being God. And that's what's going on today in America, throughout the earth. I hear people say, my truth, my truth, my truth. I want to tell you something. It's not about your truth. It's about his truth and you humbling yourself and submitting it to his truth. Glory to God because your truth is nothing but deception and his truth is the only truth that's true because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Glory to God. You stand before Jesus Christ and the last thing you're going to do is present your truth. You're going to bow your knee to the one that is truth. You need to bow now and not later. Glory to God. All right. Let's enter in. Big time. Big time. Big time. Big time. Woo. Glory to God. Go with me to James 5, 14 and 15. We're not talking about healing so much as we're talking about the principle that's conveyed in James 5, 14 and 15. I know a lot of you know it. It says, Any, is anyone among, well, let me read it. Glory to God. I could quote it, but I'll read it. Hallelujah. James 5, 14, and we'll read down to 16. It says this. See, we're talking about the name of Jesus today, and then we're talking about the oil. And I'm going to, oh, my, 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 my. And then we're going to enter into what it really means to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It's going, it's going to cause you to enter into a faith you never had before, to enter into intimacy with God that only he alone wants you to enter into. All right. James, someone says, you're fired up. I'm more than fired up. I've seen Jesus in, in, a, in a way this week that I've never seen Jesus. Whew, and I'll share on that perhaps. Glory to God. James chapter 5, verse 14. It says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Notice, what's the prayer of faith? It's faith in the name and the oil. It shall save the sick. Notice that word save is the same word for salvation. In Romans 10, He who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Greek word sozo. Here it says the prayer of faith will save the sick. Glory to God. I'm here to tell you something. Self mm, healing, uh, eternal life, deliverance, victory, it's all in one package. Glory to God. Man, it's, it's the same saving grace. Mm. Hallelujah. That brings salvation, that brings healing. And it says this confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, let's, let's look at this. Two main variables that we have to have faith in in the context of receiving healing through the prayer of faith, through the prayer of, uh, of, of James 5, 14 and 15 uh, through the elders. And, but I want you to see that this principle applies to every area of your life. The name of Jesus I know we know the name of Jesus is above every name, but listen to me. The name of Jesus, intrinsic to the name of Jesus, is every iota of righteousness, every iota of glory, every iota of virtue that's intrinsic to the Father's heart. The name of Jesus is the composite of the virtues intrinsic to the heart of the Father. That, of course, in Jesus, even as he's the second person of the Trinity, and in the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. Every virtue. And see, that's why you need to get to know the name. I, I, I mean, 
Mm. See, you need to not just know the name of Jesus is above everything, but you need to know what the, is intrinsic to the name so you can partake of what's in the name. For example, you say, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord and he's God, but you don't, you don't understand that he, intrinsic to his name is healer. That's one of his names, Yahweh Rapha. So in this context of what we just read, so when you, you someone has cancer, all right, you anoint with oil in the name. The name of Jesus is healer. Another time you might need finances. You enter into the name of Jesus as provider. You might need wisdom. The name of Jesus as wisdom. Glory to God. The name of Jesus as strength. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus as the author and perfecter of your faith. The name of Jesus, hallelujah, as your victory. The name of Jesus as your forgiveness. The name of Jesus as the glory of his presence that you could partake of. Now this is going to become more and more clear. Now listen to this. The oil, of course, represents the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. There's only one name that the Holy Spirit can confirm. There's only one name that he can confirm, and that's the name of Jesus. Then you say, well, how can he confirm me? Because Jesus has given you his name. He says, in my name, you will live. Glory to God. He, he's given you his name. Woo, hallelujah. He's given you his name. You see, the Holy Spirit, when you pray in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit confirms the name of Jesus because it's now become your name. All right, now this, we're going to get in right now big time. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Glory to Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go with me to Romans 8. Let's start with verse 14. Romans 8 to me is one of the most amazing chapters in the Word of God. It's just, just, just amazing. Oh, my, my, my. Let's start with verse 14. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That word led means to be quickened by the Spirit of God. It means to be infused into by the Spirit of God. It means to be raised up by the Spirit of God. It means to be lived through by the Spirit of God. It means the Holy Spirit literally becoming your life. The Holy Spirit literally manifests the name of Jesus in you. So it's not you who live, but Christ who lives within you. Wow. All right, let's go on. And verse 15, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, the reason we, we don't receive the bondage again to fear is because if the Spirit of God is living His life through us, then we don't have anything to fear because everything we need will manifest for us. 
Glory to God. If the, the Spirit of God will, will manifest the faith of Jesus, that's why it's called the Spirit of faith. The Spirit of God will manifest the holiness of Jesus. That's why it's called the Spirit of holiness. The Spirit of God will manifest the Spirit of His Son, the, the Sonship of Jesus. That's why it's called the Spirit of His Son. The Spirit of God will manifest the glory of, of Jesus. That's why He's called the Spirit of glory. The, the, oh, my, my, my. It goes on and on and on and on and on glory to God see that is the 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 oh glory to God the mission the job description of the Holy Spirit it's to manifest the life of Jesus in you as you proclaim the name of Jesus for you all right let's continue for you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you've received the spirit of sonship whereby we cry Abba father now listen to this the Spirit Himself bearing witness with our spirit. That's you. Say the Spirit, say this with me right now. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit mm, that I am a child of God. And if a child, if I'm a child of God, then I'm an heir of God. Say that with me. Because I'm a child of God, say it with me. Because I'm a child of God, I'm an heir of God. And I'm a joint heir with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, meaning that we're immersed in him, that we be, may be also glorified together. Ah. Now, now here's, we're going to get into intimacy. Listen to me. We, we, we looked at our, our last session, the sufferings of Jesus. And we talked about the reality that you have been raised up together with Jesus to sit in heavenly places. Now, this verse here takes it, you know, elaborates in more in depth on that reality. It says that you and I, we are joint heirs with Christ. What does that mean? See, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't seek God on what it really means. What does it mean? L listen to me. L let's say that uh, there was somebody that you knew and they were a multi-billionaire, not millionaire, billionaire. And let, let's just say that uh, they saw you, maybe you took care of their, their, their mother, uh, you know, his mother when uh, he was in overseas. And he just said, you know what? My wife and I, you know, we just really like you. And you know what we're going to do? I, I, and he comes to you and says this. He said, I, I've, got a, I've got an account. Of seven billion dollars. He said, you know what I'm going to do? Mm, glory to God. I am going to put you on my account. Glory to God. My wife and I have this account. We're going to put you on our account. We're going to make you joint heirs of this account. My name is indicative of me having this money. And I'm going to make you a joint heir on this account. I mean, you'd say, you hear me and say, come on. That's incredible. That's nuts. That's, that's out of, can I tell you something? That's what Jesus did. Let me give you another analogy. You see this in marriage. You know, again, let's take a multi-billionaire. They got $7 billion. They fall in love with a woman. Glory to God. And you know what? They get married. And now they are joint heirs together. 
They now have a joint account. Every dollar in that account, she has access to. If she, she, she doesn't have to have her name and his signed. He said, this money is yours. If she wants, she could write out a check for $7 billion. Because he trusts her, you see. Everything he has is hers. See, see, you know why? Because now his name has become her name. Isn't that how it works? Even legally. Listen to me. Listen to me. As I was ministering to these men, they said they're struggling with condemnation because of, of what they did. I said, in the account of Jesus, it's more than $7 billion. It's his very own righteousness. And he has made you a joint heir. And he has given you his righteousness. Man, if that guy had $7 billion, I tell you what, every, it, may, it would make you rich. Every one of the billions are now yours. Can I tell you something? Every iota, every iota, I'm going to say it again, every iota of the righteousness of Jesus is yours and it is who you are now. He who knew no sin becomes sin that you might become the righteousness of God himself and now you are as righteous as Jesus is because he had it in his account by his perfect life, by his blood, by his resurrection and glory to God. He has given it unto you because you are now a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Woo, glory to God. You want intimacy with God? Then you need to understand, hallelujah, that you have it. You, you say, I need authority over the devil. The Bible says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to Jesus. It's in his account. And what did he say in Matthew 28, 19? He said, all authority that I have is now your authority. He's telling you in Ephesians 2, 6 and Matthew 28, 19, Luke 10, 19, glory to God. He's saying, you have as much authority, you have as much authority over the devil as I have because every iota of the authority that I have, I have made you a joint heir unto. Every iota of the name of Jesus has become your name. Let's look at how this works. In Genesis chapter 1, let's go there. I tell you, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God's heart, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. How did he do it? The earth was without form and void. Darkness upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God. The, the Bible says the spirit of God was hovering, was brooding over the face of the waters. What's it mean to brood? It means to have a profoundly deep need to bring something forth. If you get anything I say during this session, get this. I wept all the way up to the studio because I sensed the Holy Spirit brooding and saying to me, you have no idea. I'm brooding over the body of Christ that they might enter into the inheritance that's theirs. 
because there's such a void in the church, void of power, void of intimacy, void of entering into what's rightly ours to the glory of God. And the Holy Ghost hates voids. He's brooding over you right now as you're the only person on earth that you might see the intimacy that you have with God because of his amazing love for you. So what happens? In verse 3, God said, let there be light and there was light. Now we know in Hebrews chapter 1, it was Jesus. Jesus is God. I hate these prayers. I, I, we're going to pray to God and to Jesus. Really? Really? Jesus Christ is God. Before Abraham was, he said, I am. Philippians 2, he did not think it would be robbery being the second person of the Trinity to be called equal with God. God said, Jesus said, according to Hebrews 1, let there be light. You see, Jesus saw into the Father's heart. The Father had creation in his heart, him, him being apostolic in the context of having the blueprint. Jesus, being intimate with him, saw into the Father's heart, and he spoke what he saw. When you read this book, you need to speak what you see. Jesus spoke what he saw and then the third person of the Trinity who was brooding for the void to be filled. He manifested what was spoken glory to Jesus and all that you see now, whether it's the universe that's still continuing to grow, whether it's the trees, the mountains, the oceans, whatever you see, glory to God came about like this. What's that have to do with you? Everything. The Lord gives you this book. The Lord's giving you now this teaching to show you what's in the Father's heart. To show you the amazing love of God and the corresponding amazing glory of your inheritance. Let me give you some examples. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I, I am so excited about this. Glory to God. I, I, let, let's just give a simple example. I, I get into the word of God and I see the spirit of revelation. Woo, hallelujah. I begin to see the name of Jesus. Jesus is a revealer. He revealed himself to the apostles again through, through, through letting them be their transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, through, through causing the boat to become a, a rocket and go on dry land, through teaching him, through being with them, being patient with them, cultivating their faith. I, I, see, G, and I see the spirit of God, the spirit of revelations, the spirit of revelation, Ephesians 1, 16, 17, 18. And I see Jesus. This is your name. And then I take John 17, 26. Everything that the Father did for Jesus to manifest his love, which includes revelation, he's going to do for me. So I take his name, the name of revelation, the one who wants revelation for me. And I say, Lord, I say, Father God, I am going to believe that when I open up this book, the Holy Ghost that gave revelation to Jesus in the context of Isaiah 61 that caused him to enter into being who he was, you're going to reveal to me who I am in Christ. I'm going to see the man that sits on the throne. I'm going to 
just not going to read it. I'm going to see it because the entrance of your word giveth light. I'm going to see, glory to God, the tears that flowed for Lazarus flowing from me. I'm going to see you weeping over me when I hurt. I'm going to see you rejoicing over me when I'm doing well according to Zephaniah chapter 3. I'm going to see the glory of your being. I'm going to see the reality of you want me to enter into the glory. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's okay. Yahweh the name, Yahweh Shema, the God who must, the God who must. I said the God who must show his glory unto his children because of his intimacy with him. So I go in glory to God. I enter in, my God, I entered into a revelation this last week that because the little baby that was dying to be healed, because I saw the glory of the living God, according to Ephesians 2, 6, I, I saw Jesus sitting on the throne, according to 1 Timothy 2, 5. I saw me sitting with him, according to Ephesians 2, 6, in the context of authority. And I, I prayed over that little baby that should have died, and now he's alive, the reason he is alive isn't because of me. It's been alive because of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ manifested through the Holy Ghost. Because you see, when I proclaim the name, the oil goes into being, the fire goes into being, the same Holy Ghost that created the earth is now manifesting the name that I'm proclaiming. Glory to God. Again, I'm trying to make it simple. Again, let, let's say you're a woman that got married to a man or a man that got married to a woman that had $7 billion. Glory to God. All right? So let's say that wife takes that man's name. You, you know what? She go, And now she has a check with his name. Glory to God. She's part of the account. Her and oh, my God. And so she goes to the bank. The father's the banker. Glory to God. And yeah, he says, you, that, that's right. You got to count with me. Glory to God. That's right. And then she writes out that check in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This like she writes that, that check woo, in her name. Now she has the husband's last name. Glory to God. She writes out the check. And Jesus, hallelujah, woo, is saying, yes, 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 that's, that's right, that's right, that's legal because you and I are joint heirs. And then the Holy Ghost, he's the one that's responsible for manifesting. He gives out the money out of that lady. Glory to God. You see, the Father approved it. Jesus won it. The Father approved it and the Holy Ghost manifested it. Why? Glory to God. Because she received his name. You say, I'm not worthy to receive the name. No, you're not. You never will be. But that's why we worship him who gave us his name. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the Holy Ghost is brooding over his church because God is crying out, enter in to the inheritance. Let's look at more at the inheritance. Let's look at the name. Notice Jesus Christ, his name is the son of the most high God. And the Bible says that the spirit of his son, glory to God, came into your heart crying Abba when you accepted Christ. And he's crying Abba now. He wants you to know that the same, whoo, that the same way that Jesus Christ interacted with the Father, you will interact with the Father. The same passion that Jesus had for the Father as a son, you will have as a son. Why? Because you've been given the name of him as the son of the Father. 
You don't try to be a son, you are a son. That it manifests through the Holy Ghost, your desire to please the Father. Your ability to interact with God as Father. You see, it all comes because you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus is first the Son. And you have equal sonship with the Father that Jesus has because of the truth of the blood that was shed. It's in your account. So someone says it's just too much. It's too much what you're sharing. Well, that's why you can watch this video over and over again to get it into your spirit or, or listen to CD over and over again. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, my, my, my. My, my, my. Strength to overcome. Go with me to Philippians 4.13. You know this verse, but let, let's just read it. Oh, man, man. Philippians 4, 13. There are so many Christians that struggle with familiar sin. Jesus said in 1 John mm, chapter 5, verse 3, it's not difficult to keep his commandments. But yet, if you ask most Christians, it's difficult to keep his commandments. Difficult, virtually impossible. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. Because intrinsic to the name of Jesus is the grace mm, to overcome as Jesus overcome. Even with the faith that Jesus had and the love that Jesus had. The Bible says in Romans 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. The Bible says, glory to God, in Hebrews 11, Oh, glory to God, that without, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And it goes on to say in Romans 12, 3, that you received the measure of faith. How did you receive the love of God in you? How did you receive the faith of God in you? Because it's part of your inheritance. It's in the account. It's in the new birth, glory to God. So listen to this. Philippians 14, for the 13, you feel weak. You feel overwhelmed. You feel unable. The scripture says this in the Amplified. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses, listen to me, inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. When you proclaim his name through the scripture. You see, the scripture is God. It's part of who he is. Jesus Christ entered into a place of faith and that strength where the devil couldn't touch him. Faith is strength. So in essence, God's saying, listen to me. I will infuse faith into you. Every time you read this book, I'm going to infuse faith into you. Every time you call upon me and say, God, I feel weak, I'm going to cause the faith that I've infused into you to come to the surface and manifest for you even as I give you the ability to mix it. Listen to me. There are times when I, I, I don't sense God I don't feel God. It doesn't look like God's even there. 
I feel so weak. Because, man, maybe somebody betrayed me. Maybe I messed up myself. And I said, God, I believe that I have the faith of the Son of God. See, isn't that what the Scripture says? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, the man of unbelief. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. See, we're back to love, the amazing love of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, in the love of God, his life has become my life. Everything he is, I am. 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so am I in this world. I'm going to say it again. As he is, so am I in this world. As he is, so am I in this world. The reason that I am as he is, glory to God, is because who he is has been made available to me through the new birth, through the word of God, and the confirming power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. God will cause you, your faith to grow. And he will cause you to perceive that it is the very faith that's intrinsic to Jesus Christ and the very faith he operated in when he walked the earth. He will cause the love of God within you to grow and cause you to perceive that the very love that's growing inside of you is the very love that caused him to die for you. He will cause you to see that every fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is part of your inheritance as a joint heir with Christ. And as you enter into proclaiming that reality, those fruits grow in you just like a natural tree. Jesus is the vine, you're the branches. And the very character and life of Jesus is who you will become. You, you say, well, what are you trying to tell me? I, I know I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. But I'm saying that you're going to enter into an intimacy with God the Father, just like Jesus had. If that's not true, then John 17, 26 is a sham. Because that's what Jesus said. And listen to this. In Romans chapter 8, woo, verse 29. Let's go here, glory to God. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I can't even find the scriptures. Romans 8, 29. Listen to this. Does this mean you're going to be some little God? No. You're not going to be omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. We're talking about the image of relationship. We're talking about the image that befits a child of God that makes your relationship real. The Bible says in Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Don't get uptight about the foreknew, the predestinate. Just mean he knew before the world's word that he was going to give you a destiny. And he gave that destiny to everyone, everywhere, according to 2 Peter 3, 9. Here's the destiny to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn of my many brothers. People don't preach on that because they're afraid of what people would think. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Bible says in the Amplified that whom he foreknew, whom he also were uh, whereof and loved beforehand. Ooh, and he has destined from the beginning that you as his child will be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brothers. He says this in Hebrews 2. Jesus is your God. He's your Lord. He's also your brother. Why is he your brother? Because you, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, oh my God, God he, oh my God. It's so awesome. Let's just read it. I don't even want to quote it without reading it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says we're born of the same father, but let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says for both he that sanctifies, listen to me, this is Jesus. And those who are sanctified, that's you, are all of one father, which cause he's not ashamed to call them his brothers. Can I tell you something? You've got the same image, the same spirit inside of you that's inside of Jesus. You are as righteous as Jesus. And this is the cry of God's heart. Now, here's the, here's the deal. There's always, amen, a balance. Glory to God. You're never going to be God like the Mormons teach. You're never ever going to be close to being God. You will worship him for eternity. It is all unmerited. It will always be completely unmerited. It will only be by the redemptive work of Christ. It will only be by his blood. It will only be by grace, grace for grace. It will only and always, moment by moment, zillion years after zillion years, be by grace. You will never deserve it. In fact, the more you will worship Jesus in eternity after a zillion years, the more that you will appreciate the blood, the more you will cry out holy, and the more you will see it is only by grace that you have relationship with him. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You see, it's amazing. It's nothing less than amazing. I, I'm so overwhelmed. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, it's just, let's hit a few more of these names. Let, let's enter in health and protection. Health and protection. Jesus Christ was never sick. If somebody thinks that Jesus Christ had cancer, or somebody thinks that Jesus Christ entered into sexual immorality. I'm going to tell you something. I would not be, want to be you when you stand before the Holy One. Jesus Christ is physical wholeness. People ask me all the time, how do you know it's God's will to heal you? I said, that's not the question. The question is not, is it his will to heal you? The question is, is he healing? And is he yours? One of the primary names of God Almighty is Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who is physical wholeness, the Lord who healeth thee. Listen to me. If you enter into what I'm telling you, you will never ever be fearful because you don't have the spirit of bondage of, a, of getting cancer. You will never be fearful of entering into an accident or your children getting an accident or getting sexually abused. Why? Because 
even as he is now, as the second Adam sitting on the throne, glory to God. According to 1 Timothy 2, 5, you are in him so he can be in you so his life can now be your life. And there's no more of a chance in the mind of God that your kids getting sexually abused, that, that you entering into having a, a devastating accident, you getting cancer in the mind of God, the mind of Christ. There is no more of a chance that happening to you in the mind of Christ than it, ha than it happening to Christ when he was on the earth. Because you're a joint heir, glory to Jesus, with him. You are a joint heir with Christ. You see, when you enter into this reality, it changes everything. It opens up an intimacy that is amazing. Why do you think that Jesus was scourged? Why do you think that it's such a big deal with a God? Because God, in his love for you, would never, ever, ever have you experienced the grief and sorrow of cancer, of migraines, of, of dyslexia, of dementia, of Alzheimer's, Parkinson. Even as the Bible says, he desires you to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Even as he wouldn't want you to, he would never have you be in bondage to pornography. He's not going to have you entering in to being harmed, to being destroyed, to being grief stricken by anything. Because why? Because the Bible says he loves you as much as he loves his only begotten son. And because he loves you as much as he loves his only begotten son, he has made you a joint heir with his only begotten son through him that everything in his spirit, in his heart, every iota of glory, every iota of virtue is not who you are in this life. Do you see what we're saying? Man, we're begging God. We're fearful of God. We're, we're wondering, will I get cancer? Will my kids be abused? Will I die in a car accident? Will, will that desire of my heart come to pass? And God says, did the desires of Jesus come to pass? Did Jesus die in an accident? Did Jesus ever get leprosy? Did, was Jesus ever, ever overcome by sin? Was Jesus poverty stricken? Of course not. God wants you to see in his love, his amazing love, that even as his son, is righteous and blessed, you are equally righteous and blessed. Again, that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Third John 2. Glory to Oh, man. It gets better and better. One of the names of God is Yahweh Shema. The God who has a need to manifest His glory and presence to you. We read Mark 9 and you say, that's crazy to think that God Almighty would manifest His glory to me in, in, in such a profound fashion. 
And the Father looks at the blood. The Father looks at what Jesus went through to give you that reality as a joint heir with him. And says, what's wrong with my church? What's wrong with my church? What's wrong with my church? And through the Holy Ghost, he broods. Through the Holy Ghost, he intercedes. Through the Holy Ghost, he cries out. Through the Holy Ghost, he's teaching you as he's teaching you now, saying, I'm breeding, brooding over you that you might enter in. And be one with me, even as I am one with my son, and my son is one with me, even according to my word of John 17, 11, John 17, 21, John 17, 22, John 17, 23, John 17, 26, Romans 8, 29. You say it's too good to be true. I say to you, in your heart, you know it is. But you see, the devil has done everything he can to convince you that it's not through your failures, through the times you've been hurt and maybe even abused, through familiar spirits. I had a lady come into my office and I looked at her, the discerning of spirits manifested. I saw a demon on her right shoulder, looked like a little girl about seven, eight years old. And I said to her, I said, I see a demon on, and she was a spirit-filled woman. I said, it's a little girl about eight years old. And she said, oh, yeah, that's me when I was sexually abused. She follows me everywhere. I said, well, that's a familiar spirit. That's a demon. She said, I never knew it. She said, I know it brings oppression, but it's almost like a, it's just there all the time. It's just become part of my life. We rebuked that demon from her. The familiar spirit left. She got up, started dancing, and for the first time, she's about 59 years old. Her husband was in the parking lot. He's mad at God, but let her come into the counseling center. She danced out to the parking lot, grabbed a hold of him. They danced in together, and she's been dancing ever since. Because what the devil tried to make a part of her life through an experience, Jesus delivered her and brought her into the reality of freedom because she is one with him and he whom the Son sets free is free even as he is free. Jesus. Jesus! Financially. God is Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh Jireh literally means Uncovering the reality of the provision that's already present. How many know that anything you need is already there? Because it's in Jesus and you're one with him as a joint heir. God wants you blessed financially. It's time to claim that your God shall supply all of your needs according to what? According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's saying, woo, you're blessed according to being a joint heir with Christ. It's according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Jesus walked and his needs met. He walked in blessing and he's calling you as a joint heir to walk in the same. Jesus. Let me share these last two. The number one name of God in the context of prevalence is the name Yahweh Shahabath. 244 times it's shared in the Old Testament. Literally it means God the Lord of hosts. The God who fights militantly for you to cause you to be free. The God who is the Lord of hosts who fights militantly for you so you can be free. 
I'm going to hear tell you something. God will do whatever he needs to do for you to be free. If you're in bondage to a familiar sin, he wants you to know that he will give you the faith to break it with confirming power. Man, if you're somebody that's been victimized by abuse and you can't get over it, you can't forgive the perpetrator, or you're just still broken, God wants you to know he will come. Remember, we started out this lesson by saying, will he come? He has to come because that's his name. If he didn't come when you called upon him in faith, he would be a liar. He has to come because he's bound himself and covered it by his name. His name is Jesus. Intrinsic to his name of Jesus is the name Yahweh Shahabath, the God who will always fight for you. Man, if you have somebody trying to harm you, he will protect you. And if he, whatever he has to do, he will do. He will do. He'll not only give you favor, he will destroy your enemies. Uh, there's a great teaching called uh, the, the Steps to Judgment by Derek Prince. I'll never forget, I was counseling, and girl after girl came into my office there, uh, sexually assaulted, by a certain guy, he dealt him drugs and then he would sexually abuse him. And man, we did two police state stings and he got aware of it. They didn't get him. It was told to him. I sat right across for him. I said, you don't even have to accept Jesus. Stop this. God is going to bring judgment, even the death if it's necessary. But he wants you to be saved. And if you're not going to accept Jesus, just stop the activity. He had a real good job. In the community, he was respected. And I told my assistant pastor, I said, within a year, if he does not repent and continues to harm, he will be judged. And I forgot about it, to be honest with you. And almost a year to the day, my assistant pastor caught up and said, so-and-so just died. He just dropped dead. I'm not here to play games. That wasn't the best for, uh, that wasn't the heart of God. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of, you know, of, of having to do that. He loved him as much as he loves you and me. I'm going to tell you something. David swore by the name of Yahweh Shahabath in 1 Samuel 17. He was anointed, 1 Samuel 16, 13, and then he entered into killing the bear and the lion because they attacked the sheep. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, God will destroy both the lion and the bear if they try to attack the sheep of his pasture. And then he swore by the name Yahweh Shahabath. He said, you come to me with javelins and spears and this and that. I come to you in the name of Yahweh Shahabath, the God who fights for his children to set them free. And God took that stone, and one of the five stones in that bag representing fivefold ministry, also representing Goliath and the four brothers that he had. And supernaturally, he destroyed the giant. God will destroy the lions in your life, the giants in your life, because he loves you. No, the first step to judgment is not wanting judgment. But he will do what he needs to do. He will do what he needs to do. I said last two, I'll give you two more. Next is doing the works of God. When you love, you want to do what Jesus did so you can help people, not to put a feather in your cap. 
And I have a friend, he's raised over 300 people from the dead. They died prematurely, man. Kids and women and, I mean, and, and tsunamis. And I, I personally have, you know, God has blessed me in that area. Jesus said you'll do the works that he did. That's part of his name. Doing the works of Luke chapter 4. Doing the works of Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Doing the works of Luke 10, 19. Doing the works of Matthew 28, 19. Doing the works of Mark 16, 15 to 20. The works that Jesus did are intrinsic to his name. And God will give you the faith that Jesus had so you can do the works that Jesus did because it's part of his name. It's not about you. It's about being gifted his name. His name has been gifted to you by grace. I, I, I could share with so many. I, I mean, I mean, I, I could give 10,000 miracles from people I, I know. From raising the dead to food multiplied. I, I mean, some of the amazing, amazing things. I don't know about you, but I certainly am growing in this area. I need more of the name in me. I need more. I need more. The last one I'll share is this. Psalm 37, 4 says, God will give you the desires of his heart. The New Testament correlate to that verse is Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Meaning this, every iota of the virtue within the Father's heart, Christ will give you a hunger and a thirst for, a desire to enter into. Whether it's the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all these things that we just talked about, Yahweh Shema, uh, Yahweh Shahabath, I, I mean revelation, I, the presence, I, I mean everything we went over and so much more. It's in you, isn't it? It might be a desire to be married. It might be a desire to have children. A desire to do the works of God. A desire to enter into the revelation of the amazing love of God. The greatest desire should be intimacy with God, to minister to his heart. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And what he gives you hope for, he will always manifest it. So the desire that you have in worship, in excitement, in amazing, and just in amazement, in the, in, in the, in the glory of his love, See through the word. See what's in his heart. And as Jesus said, let be, you say, I believe what's in your heart, Father. What you placed in my heart to enter into will be manifested. And you know that you know that you know that the Holy Ghost is just waiting to do it. This is my last verse. I'm running out of time. James chapter 4, verse 5. The Bible says, oh, Jesus, 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 that the Spirit of God is in you, mm, hovering, hungering. Uh, oh, Jesus, lusting to, to give you what he so much wants to give to you. There's a godly lust. Just like lust after the gifts of the Holy Ghost. He says, do you think that the Scripture says in vain the Spirit that dwells in you lusteth the envy? It says yearns over you, hovers over you to have him his very self manifest to you the things you need and desire. My friend, John 17, 22 says this. 
that even as you're a joint heir with Christ, the very same Holy Spirit that was given to Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good with the, uh, oh, hallelujah, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus said this, I pray, Father, that even as you have given me the Holy Spirit, the, mm, the manifest I've given to them. My friend, the Holy Spirit will manifest the life of Christ in you. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit will manifest the life of Christ in you. I'm going to say it one more time. The Holy Spirit will manifest the life of Christ in you. And it's not a different life than what Jesus, who Jesus is. It's not a different life that he walked the earth with because it's not a different Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your body, will cause your faith to grow, will cause your love to grow, will cause you to enter into the very faith that Jesus operated in, the very love that he operated in, the very wisdom that he operated in, the sevenfold spirit upon him in Isaiah 11. Notice that word, the same. Why is it the same spirit? Joint heir. Same spirit. When you're a joint heir, you have the same the same glory, the same life, the same faith, the same love, the same power, the same desire, and the same manifestation. Because joint heir means that everything Jesus is, you are the same. You are as righteous as he is by the power of the blood. You are as believing as he is. You're as loving as he is. You're as blessed as he is. You're as humble as he is. Because it's his humility, his love, his faith, his wisdom, his power. Through his name. Confirmed. By his spirit. The same spirit. That raised him from the dead. The same spirit that anointed him. The same spirit that confirmed him will confirm you because he only confirms one and his name is Jesus and that name he confirms one name has been given to you for even as he loves you the father loves you as much as he loves Jesus he's given you the very name of his son so his love could be manifest to you even as it was manifested to him.